Uh, as always, old school brought to you by uh, the thugs at shoptyt.com. Uh, and I've been wearing the shirt version of this around town, and I've never gotten a reaction like this. And we have the mass version here. Will you shut up, man? That's that the Joe good. Biden uh, quote from the first debate. Shoptyt.com. Okay, so he, here's what happened six times yesterday. First, like a, like a little confused look, and then, oh, yeah, I love that, man. That's an awesome shirt. Everyone from middle-aged housewives uh, at, at grocery store parking lots freaking out about how much they love it to guys uh, on the street who are skaters going, bro, like the shirt. Uh, <laughs> and, Ben, normally I get recognized that not the shirt. I'm keeping it real, Okay. In this case, not one of them mentioned TYT or my name. They didn't know anything about it. They just loved the shirt to pieces. Yeah, there was there was really you know the, there has been so much uh, disingenuousness. Um, I was going to go with disingenuity, which can't possibly be a word. Um, and if it is, well, if it is, it not, certainly doesn't apply here. No, it was not the word I was looking for. <laughs> so there's, so I don't know that there has been more disingenuousness there has been more important disingenuousness than the right on twitter saying oh my god how indecent you know and the left is angry about decency and how we talk to people and did he just tell the president of the united states to shut up <laughs> you know i mean <laughs> come on the, the, yeah. the people on the right pretending to care about etiquette and civility after backing Trump 100 percent. Oh, please. Yeah, I just mean you don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I, you know, I just would like somebody to go, well, that seems minor compared to what Trump does. This one, like, good, good for Biden. <laughs> I mean, I hate him. And he's a he's a socialist and uh, uh, the pedophile and uh, is uh, a front for uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, but, you know, I got to give him this one. Yeah. So I actually. Uh, I'm going to tell you about other sponsors in a second, but now that we're rolling, um, uh, there was a, a Trump rally that I happened to jog by in L.A. Uh, over the weekend, and they're they doing uh, Trump rallies, uh, like without Trump, uh, fairly often in L.A. I think it's the conservatives in L.A. basically saying, ha ha, we're here. We don't care how liberal you are. We're going to show our face. What are you going to do about it, huh? Right. And I mean, they yeah. put Trump and Pence everywhere, American flags, sometimes randomly Israeli flags. OK. Sure. Um, and uh, and then they're kind of in your face about it. And there was like this truck that had this giant sign and walking by and I were driving by me. And I involuntarily and I don't regret it at all. I'm super happy to do it. So I'm not saying it like oh, I involuntarily did it. Uh, but I immediately gave the guy two middle fingers. While jogging. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, you want to be in our face? Okay, fine. I'll be in your face. And this is what you want anyway. I'm making you happy. Right? That's right. That's right. You want to you want to make the liberals cry. I want to set them off. I mean, I, every time I respond to, you know, Meredith or whatever her name's, Schlapp. What's Schlapp's first name? Meredith Schlapp. Meredith Schlapp, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know she's like, oh, triggered. <laughs> I'm not triggered, man. I just want to <laughs> I just want to point out to you that you're dumb. That's not being triggered. Uh, yeah. She had a she had a great uh, tweet um, during Biden's town hall that uh, uh, that I just turned on Biden's town hall. It looks like an episode of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. 
And many people, including me, were like, I don't think that means what you think it means. He's beloved, <laughs> you know, <laughs> by was, everyone. One of my favorite yeah. memes of all time was about how this is early internet uh, years. Uh, when it, they spread around the internet that Mr. Rogers was actually a Marine and had uh, and would like either scalp people in Nam or would cut off their ears and keep them, and but had also saved like thirteen lives, and it just went on and on. And I was like, and I so it was such early days. I thought there was some chance the Nigerian prince did need to get his money out of the country. And and so I believed that that Mr. Roger, for years I believed he was a Marine who used to scalp people, um, yeah. and then I found out later that's not remotely true. They made it up. Of course they made it up. Uh, but I mean, you don't. I mean, just saying that oh, this guy's like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, great. I mean, if Mr. Rogers was on the ticket, Americans would vote for him. Right? Yeah. Although these days, QAnon yeah. would be like. Mr. Rogers, why is he talking to kids? You think so, they wouldn't? No, of course they would, but it wouldn't work. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, because uh, he'd be like, look, I don't know. I just think everybody in the neighborhood ought to be able to go see a doctor. I don't know. Right. Oh, they'd be curious. Right. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, right. yeah, yeah, of course. Put him right in there with Fauci and Tom Hanks. Remember how the affordable cannibals leading the government. So I remember how the Affordable Care Act was going to drive all these doctors out of business. I guess those stories they just haven't been released yet. We're just we're just waiting for them. Yeah. yeah. No, and they were all going to move out of the country. And so, the, uh, but I, to be fair, I remember the mass exodus to Panama uh, mm -hmm. when uh, the Affordable Care Act passed, and we lost half the doctors in the country. But Panama is thrilled with how it's going down there. There's no one sick at all. All the doctors went there. Yeah, I mean it's so dumb. Like the, of course, the Affordable Care Act did a lot of good things, and I, I think I like it probably better than you. But where I completely agree with you is that healthcare reform was coming, so that this was the healthcare reform that the healthcare industry wanted, right? And that insurance companies wanted because it kept the basis of the current system around. And you guys are flying off the handle like it's socialist, right? Every business person, every conservative business person with a vested interest in healthcare was like, no, no, pass that one. Let's get that passed. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. It'll get yeah. more people. More people will have insurance. This is fantastic. Uh, you know what uh, the name for Obamacare was before they called it Obamacare? Romneycare. Uh, it's right. nearly right. identical. Yeah. It's what uh, Romney passed in Massachusetts as the governor there. So that that 2012 election was in a lot of ways a joke. I mean, when people talk about really what's the difference, I, 2012, it, other than I think 96 and 2012 were the perfect examples. Now, you'll say, yeah, of course, there's still a difference and there's still the Supreme Court, et cetera. But it was a corporate Democrat versus a corporate Republican. The differences were minuscule compared to this election, where it's a I, I Democrat versus, you know, if we're being kind, Mussolini. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I disagree because I, I, I don't think Obama was nearly as conservative as Bill Clinton. I don't think that holds up. So, I mean, if Clinton was a corporate Democrat and Obama's a corporate Democrat, you got to find some span of how to determine uh, who they were on that on that scale. Uh, and the judges are so enormous that it can't not just, of course, the Supreme Court judges, but, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of judges that it makes a, a huge difference. I mean, yeah. and nowhere is it more evident than right now in this key moment where the, the two judges that Obama got in eight years are 
are, are two critically important justices. Yeah, it, it, it there was at least a 20% difference between Romney and Obama, and there's at least a 2,000% difference between Trump and Biden. Uh, right. Not because Biden is that different than Obama, but because Trump is more different than anything on the planet. Yeah, and I think that I think I think it's more than twenty percent, and I think I think twenty percent might have been Clinton and uh, and Dole, as it turns out. Like that was probably extremely. Let's put it this way: it didn't get past the threshold. Uh, so you could say forty percent, and I'd still agree with you. I wouldn't care, right? right. But there wasn't a fifty-one percent difference between Obama and and Romney. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm only curious now because Romney has really, you know, I mean, only in our butchered scale has Mitt Romney. I mean, for three years, he did nothing, right? Nothing with the opportunity to do it. He's the two, two years in the Senate. He, he, you know, a year and a half until he finally was like, I mean, he was going to work for him, right? I mean, if Trump mm -hmm. had offered it and they had that incredibly awkward dinner and you know, he sees what's happening and all he can do is every couple of months say, I wouldn't, I don't know, mm. you know, and he only, I mean, it's such a Ronnie movie. He only voted for one of the two articles in the picture, right? Right. I mean, like he couldn't even, couldn't even bring himself to vote to vote. And I thought for sure that he would say, I think it's critically important to have a, a, a conservative uh, Supreme Court justice, but uh, not like this. I wasn't here in 2016, but that was, that was wrong. Like he would get that you have to stand up to Trump politically, even if it doesn't suit every policy interest that you have. But he, he does no. not. Yeah. Now there's no way he was going to vote against a uh, right-wing Supreme Court justice. That's the one thing that unites all conservatives and Republicans. So that was wishful thinking. Uh, could he have opposed Trump in other meaningful ways on issues that did matter uh, that were that were not core Republican uh, principles? Sure, a thousand different ways. Um, and, and that's why Mitt Romney is the prototypical politician, totally slimy politician, one foot in one direction, another foot in another direction, say whatever you need to say uh, to get people to like you. Um, and, and so when, when Trump talks about how those are standard politicians and he's different, that, that is true. And, and that was deeply appealing to Republican primary voters. And in 2016 to independence. Um, because and to Kirsty Alley, who tweeted yesterday that she's going to vote for Trump because he's not a politician. You know, yeah. President of the United States, he's running a political campaign right now. Right now. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and actually, he's a massive politician. Of course. And yeah. You could argue that he is um, a better politician than the Mitt Romneys of the world because he is convinced. The, almost the entire Republican Party, the, at least the voters, uh, that he's not a slimy politician when that's exactly what he is. And so he's a better con man than Mitt Romney is. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I, I, of course, that's, you're right. He's definitely a better con man than Mitt Romney is. It's just that, that, that Romney seemed to be that old, a bit of the throwback, in part because of literally Romney care would be part of that argument, right? And the And the fact that he didn't really have any, I mean, if he has no political sense at all, he thinks that sticking with Trump in the way that he has and slightly voting against him, that there's a needle he can thread and he's the 2024 nominee for president because even though he'll be, I don't know how old he'll be, but you know, old and he guy looks like he's 42, right? <laughs> he's sort of, he will not seem old. Um, it's impossible for him to get the Republican nomination.
it's inconceivable. It's also inconceivable that he will ever lose in Utah. So he should have been free. And of course, there was a time when many, many, many Republicans would have said, we can't deny Merrick Garland with eight months before an election and accept any nominee with a month before the election. That's insane. Right. And would have been there would have been a rivalry in that party. But almost any time before 1996, uh, there would have been 10, 12 Republicans who would have gone. No. And in the 70s, 20 um, who would have said no, they couldn't even have done it. They could. It would have been too, too obvious to do it. So I did think Romney was uh, sort of that kind of throwback. And I think that that we're all blinded by the ex- not you know the extreme nature of what has happened over the last certainly the last four years, but of course it's you know again Trump as we all know was a uh, took advantage uh, of 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 what was already there right it had already been created and Trump Trump utilized it yeah what one last thing about politics and I want to get into. Um... Uh, fun topics like uh, is happiness a choice uh, and are people really listening to you? Um, so, uh, look, the, the phenomenon that got Trump elected in 2016 is not going to disappear even if he's landslided in 2020. And by that phenomenon, I don't mean outright fascism and 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 the ugly hatred and and, and racism and bigotry and all that stuff. Sure, that'll still be around too, of course, right? Unfortunately, it's been around forever. Um, but no, the the phenomenon of people hating the establishment. Um, and so in 2024, my guess is they're gonna, again, have four different sets of choices. Um, an establishment Democrat like Kamala Harris, uh, because right now the conventional wisdom is that Biden will not run again. Uh, we'll see if that's true or not. But Biden or Harris, right? Um, and there'll be plenty of other establishment Democrats that'll challenge Kamala Harris, but but someone of that mold, uh, a progressive and and hence more populist Democrat, an establishment Republican, and a populist Republican. I can tell you with great certainty what's going to happen on the Republican side. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, another populist will win. And then another one, and then another one, and another one. Uh, they hate the establishment. They hate politicians. Uh, and so Marco Rubio is, I, I would be shocked, shocked beyond belief if a guy like Marco Rubio ever won uh, the nomination for the Republican Party. Uh, it's much more likely to be a populist like Josh Hawley, who is a senator from Missouri um, and has some populist bona fides, or or Tucker Tom, Carlson Tom. or someone along those lines. Maybe so Tom they'll be Cotton. back. Tom Tom Cotton. Um, Tom Cotton's the, more establishment than populist. He's yeah, such but, a fake populist that he just becomes a standard politician. Yeah, I, I just think what you're. I'm certain. I mean, in my belief, anyway, of what you're leaving out is the. I, I would not. I mean, I would take that bet um, in some way were odds given, just because if the populist politician is a dope. Um, I don't mean like a Trump-like dope. Trump's a dope, but he's also magic, right? And and the magic is wearing off. But I mean, he could control those crowds. He was a showman, right? And the populism needs to be blended on that end uh, with a degree of showmanship. You, you you can't just be a populist if you're not if you can't sell it. 
you know, if we, you're not we, entertaining, if you're not entertaining, you know, if you're, yeah, um, that's and, why I think Tucker Carlson, if we oh, were yeah, doing I, a draft, which we should soon for the 2024 elections, uh, on the Republican side, no joke. Uh, if I had the number one pick, I'd pick Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I, I mean, I laughed at you. I, mean, I didn't laugh at you. I just my my instinct, which only lasted twenty seconds, was that Tucker Carlson can't be the Republican nominee. And then instantly, your brain starts working. Sure, he can. Right? It doesn't. Yeah. It does not take long to get to sure he can. So I don't think that's a crazy thing, right? Because he uh, he'll be a showman, and and unlike Trump, uh, he's a smart guy. Right. I mean, he's wrong about everything and he, he might be cruel. Right. But he has uh, or he's willing to see cruelness, cruelty. I think it's the word, not cruelness. Um, and uh, he's willing to see it and experience it and do nothing about it. So that that tells you something about him. But he's charming and he's smart. He's not a buffoon anyway, uh, like Trump. And he's almost certainly not a criminal. So that gives him uh that gives him a, a significant uh, leg up, and he's a, he can, he's an entertainer. So yeah, I don't disagree with uh, with that at all. But that's a critical component uh, to this. Um, you know, I don't see my instinct about Josh. Ho- you know, again, look, man, this, I just remember sitting next to Anna, and like, uh, you know, especially president. It's about how this thing makes you feel. It's way more important than policy. Way more important than policy. Um, and so Joe Biden just makes people feel good. Uh, there are, of course, millions of people who disagree with him on stuff. Millions and millions and millions, right? But he makes you feel good, right? And Bernie Sanders didn't make you feel good, even though, you know, he he's right on policy and and has thought about it more, right? He's just he cares that nuts and bolts matter to him. Um, so again, it comes down to: is there a charming progressive? And don't leave out the fact that is that that because they're cunning politicians, that you know the way the way Trump exploited something there, that, that there is sort of a non-progressive who will uh, become progressive because they see that as a way to seize, uh, as, a way to, as a way to get power. No, it's a way to be elected president. And then they'll do probably progressive things. And great, I don't care what your heart is, right? You know, yeah. you get everybody health care, bravo. And, and they might have a conversion. I mean, the greatest thing that, that, that progressives can hope for with Joe Biden is that Joe Biden likes to make people happy, right? Almost... He really, really likes to make people happy. And if you can convince him, if somebody can convince him that that, that that there are a number of progressive things they can do, it, he'll cut them, he'll mitigate them a little bit to try and make his business friends happy, but he's capable of doing it. I doubt it, but he's capable of it. Yeah, I mean, it, for progressives over the next four years, um, in a way of thinking about it, um, uh, our mission is to get Joe Biden to negotiate with us instead of with the Republicans. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Because then he'll give us, <laughs> if it was, it's anything like he did with the Republicans, then he'll give us 55 to 75 percent of what we want. Totally. So that's right. Yeah. That would be amazing. Let's hope so. Let's hope we get that lucky. Yeah. All right. Finally, after all this, I get to my second sponsor, twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. Okay. Uh, delicious, progressive, organic, fair trade. After the third bag, you get this free mug. Okay. Um, it's not free, actually. It's only three after you order three bags. Or I don't think I don't know that you were here for my big revelation, which was that I thought I had been drinking breakfast blend, but no, I was drinking the espresso blend. Yeah, so these yeah. are the two you're talking about. So you were drinking Rebel Roast. That's right. I was drinking Rebel Roast and right. not whatever the other one is. Uh, the other one is the breakfast blend, and hence easy to remember, Uprising. 
No, right, Uprising. So I thought I was drinking Uprising, but I was drinking Rebel Roast. And I like Rebel Roast. I will be, uh, I will be getting more. I was waiting for the camera to focus. It took a while. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it is. Come on. How clever is the, the coffee bean uh, uh, as a fist? I, is that what that is? It looks like yeah. an M. Looks like an M. But yeah, I guess I guess it's an M with an extra thing <laughs> called a thumb. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, uh, and after the second bag, they help progressive causes uh, like just Democrats and rebellion pack. Okay. So I'm going to broach this now. Uh, we'll do some of it now, and we'll do some of it in the next episode. If you're a member, you get the full hour-long episode, tyt.com slash join to become a member. Okay. Um, ben, I came to a funny conclusion recently. Uh, people aren't listening. Um, uh, and I made the mistake, as I often do and, and most uh, people often do, of projecting. And um, I like to think that I'm a pretty good listener uh, and – You've actually been nice in, in saying that that's the case sometimes on air. Uh, and, uh, and so I assumed everybody was listening to everything that everybody said. And I came to the conclusion recently, oh, no, they're not. They're, most people really don't listen to a giant chunk of what the other person is saying. Thoughts? That's right. Yeah, no, it, it definitely true. It's definitely true. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there are bigger political implications for that. But no, people, people don't listen. People are wrapped up in their own lives. Um, some of that is negative and selfishness, but much of it is just living, right? So whatever you think about, oh my God, somebody mistreated me. They weren't paying attention to what I said. Hey man, they're just, they got their, they're wrapped up in their own business and they missed what's important to you because they weren't listening and because they don't care, right? Ultimately, that's not, it, they're not interested in, in what you're saying. And some of that goes to the speaker who needs, people need to be interesting, you know, um. <laughs> that's why. OK, now this is going to be hilarious. It's such a jank thing to say. Um, that's why it's particularly egregious when they're not listening to me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find that's one of the most outrageous things. <laughs> because I'm saying interesting things nonstop. It can't be me. So then right. it's got to be you. Uh. <laughs> OK, so, well, things like that, which is funny and outrageous. But anyways, uh, look, some of you got to go uh, and you weren't listening in the first place. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, the rest of you stay right here. We're doing another episode of Old School. All right. Back on Old School, Jenk and Ben with you guys. Um, in, in the last episode, as it were, uh, we were uh, talking about um, people not listening. Uh, and so, Ben, I wanted to get to the question at hand here. Uh, I, I realized in, in talking to people who shall not be named uh, on air, wow, it's not that they were got distracted for a second and weren't and missed the point uh, that I was making or someone else speaking was making. It wasn't that they daydreamed for a second. All that stuff is super normal, right? It's that some folks barely listen to anything the other person is saying. They're busy um, trying to say what they're saying, and they don't receive the input almost at all. And then that led me to thinking, on average, and I've, of course, old school is built for absurd questions that are unanswerable, so let's do it. On average, what percentage of the time is an average person listening to someone else in the middle of a conversation? At less than 20. Wow, really? Yeah, I mean, also their degrees. 
And also now I'm going to say something that sounds like I'm giving a TED talk. Um, Jenk, there's listening, and then there's hearing. Um, ah, I love that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tweet that out. Sure, great. Um, so listening is like taking some of it in. Hearing is getting what people mean, because it's not just the words, right? And And so I find what is frustrating to me and what I think both of us, I hope, let's just leave it at, I hope both of us are good at is that uh, I can get what you mean while also listening to what you say. It is, of course, really hard to get what someone means to really hear what they're saying if you're not listening. But but listening is really one component of it is is getting, it's how, why conver- it's when conversations are good that you're also hearing, right? That you take in what they say and you kind of know what to say next. You're not just saying something to involve yourself in the conversation. Like, oh, I heard that they're talking about uh, football, you know, and they're talking about the Chiefs. So I'll say, you'll say, man, Mahomes, the way he, what I saw today, you know, the way he runs up to the line of scrimmage and thinks and shows you that he's going to run and then throws is a thing I don't know that I've ever seen before done like this. I mean, he's literally running and tricking the defense, right? And somebody else goes, yeah, the other thing is that uh, quarterbacks from the Big 12 don't usually do this well. And I'm like, all right, this conversation's ruined, <laughs> right? There's no, I, I, I can't, I don't want, I don't know. Maybe that's a different thing. And it's not, you weren't hearing what I was saying, right? Um, yeah. So that drives me crazy. Yeah, in fact, I would say my number one pet peeve is not just that someone isn't listening to what I'm saying in that conversation. Uh, and not just because... I'm intently listening to what they're saying. Uh, and so the fact that it's not reciprocated is annoying. But when I'm trying to agree with them and help them make their point, that's right. And they that's cut right. me yeah. off in the middle because no matter what I'm saying, including agreeing with them and helping them, they don't care at all. Yeah. You know, I, I've, uh, uh, when, when I was talking, you know, we, we got, nobody says this anymore, but, uh, uh, but back in the, when we started the show, there was, pressure. There was talk from executives and other people and people who had a hand in what we did um, that we weren't combative enough. That there wasn't enough contradiction. There wasn't enough CNN crossfire oh. on the Unturk, right? There wasn't enough conflict. And what I would say, and I think you would say too, I'm like, nah, I, yeah, it's not that we agree you're missing it, is that it's a conversation and we, we build on what the other person is saying. And sometimes part of it is challenged, but yeah, we don't really disagree on big issues, right? It's all manners of interpretation and percentages and scale. So we build on it. And when I am involved in conversations where one, the other person doesn't build on it, which is sort of like the big 12 quarterback nonsense, right? Where you miss the the point, right? You know, uh, and you could challenge me. You could say, didn't Steve Young do that? I go, no, not really. He could scramble, but he didn't sell the run and then suddenly stop. And then when the defense comes up, there's, of course, a receiver standing there. And he's so he's got he's so much smarter than almost every other quarterback. Moment. So, uh, yeah, when either they don't build on what I said or when as you get to almost more frustrating is them not getting and almost be like, yeah, I don't know why you're disagreeing with me. And I'm like, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm making your point better. Not because I'm arrogant. You started it. You get most of the credit for bringing it up. And I'm building on it, man. You got two blocks down. I'm adding a block. 
and you think I'm fucking smashing the whole thing down. It's crazy. <laughs> so, Ben, I had an epiphany as you were talking. Um, an epiphanic that, moment? What's that? It should, uh, hang on. The uh, Postmate should be here shortly, no later than 708. <laughs> okay, good for you. Yeah. All right. Um, they are not one of our sponsors, but twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT, which will go really well with whatever you're eating, is one of our sponsors. Yeah, who okay. doesn't love uh, pasta and coffee? Um, well, for lunch, I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the epiphany I had was that um, I think we we, we do, uh, again, we'll do more self-puffery here, or I will, but uh, I think we, you and I do a good talk show together because, not because we're good talkers, but because we're good listeners. Mm. Um, that, mm. Mm, <laughs> I'm not just listening to you, Ben, I'm hearing you. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, guys, it isn't as about us, it's about you, obviously, in, in your personal life, and I'm sure some of you relate, et cetera. Uh, but uh, when people listen to each other and they build upon uh what each other is saying, you get a better conversation. And if you're doing it professionally, you know, hopefully you're doing a better talk show, which is just really a conversation. Um, and uh, and so I think that's why, like the first pilot of the Young Turks uh, I ever did was solo. Uh, it was ne it never made it on air. It was just like a trial. The second one I did was with Ben, and and that's what stuck. Because a conversation where you build upon things and there's flow and you're listening to one another is so much more fun and enlightening and interesting than just somebody yelling into a camera. Um, and, and the reason isn't the talk. The reason is the listening. Uh, as Ben ironically checks to see if his Postmates is in yet. and uh, Or wait, did he freeze? Oh, that's so funny. I didn't realize he froze. And I'm like, man, this is Ben's definitely joking, right? Or it's the most ironic thing that's ever happened on TYT. As Ben's like, oh, yeah, good point about listening. <laughs> I was going to say, and I'm sure you made completed the point that I was expecting you to make. But, you know, the the when you're... It's not, first of all, it happens to both of us, of course. It happens to everyone when somebody's talking and you just can't wait to get in your next point, right? Um, and that's not good but because it, it's incredibly frustrating when someone else does it. And it's what prompts the non sequitur, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. it's what prompts you to say, you know, the problem with Biden, you know, the good thing about Biden is that he's so impressionable that if, if we can get, as you said in the earlier show, if we can get in his ear, if liberals want him to meet with liberals and, and he's likely to give us 55 to 70 percent of what we asked for because he was so willing to make a deal with Republicans. Uh, and I say something like, you know, the, the Delaware senators, uh, what's the deal with them? <laughs> You're like, come on, man, <laughs> you know, um, or you know who I'd like to see make a deal? Chris Coons. You're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess. Right. But come on, man. Uh, so we all do it. But the key and, and I, when I, you know, we interview people. Right. So so you have to listen. Right. And you have to hear. Uh, I know that's lame, but it's true. And and so I don't know whether I mean, doing interviews made me better at it, but I was probably good at it after a while because uh, I did it. Right. 
Uh, and it doesn't mean you can't interrupt. It doesn't mean any of those things, as long as you interrupt on point, right? Yeah. And, and so I, I still want to get back to the percentage of how many people are listening. But before that, I'm going to make one more cliched, corny point. But it's not cliched enough because people aren't really doing it. Um, listening is also for you, not not just the person you're uh, talking to. And, and I, I actually think it's predominantly for you. Um, it's possible the person you're talking to is not making an interesting point or is boring overall or is repetitive. All that, all those things are, of course, possible, right? So I'm not saying you're like, oh, and if you do that and you'll be like enriched forever and stuff. No, but in reality, I don't know that I assume the old school audience and the TYT audience is an engaged person that cares about the world and that cares to learn, right? And so if you're in that uh, group, you can't learn anything if you don't listen and you don't read, right? And then that's the problem with Trump. He, he never reads anything and he never listens to anyone. That's why people have to keep putting the word Trump in when they're talking or if they're writing a memo. Otherwise, he literally won't listen to anything you're saying. It, it 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 doesn't go in one ear and come out the other. It just doesn't even go into the ear, and um, right. and so and that's why he never learns anything, and that's why he's deeply incompetent. So the only way to actually get something from a conversation for yourself is to listen to the other person. You already know what you're going to say. You already know what you think, and honestly, you're going to gain almost nothing from it. <laughs> the, what you can gain is from from the other person. Yeah, that's right. Um, you. You know, this is a form of what you're talking about is a form of curiosity, right? And, you know, you, you can't, you, most people aren't curious about everything, but they're curious about enough things, right? And, uh, or they're, even if they're not curious about enough things, they're deeply curious about a few things. And that, that can work too, right? He isn't deeply curious about anything. I, I was, you know, with my uh, uh, wife and I, I said, you know, and, and I was being hyperbolic maybe, but then I thought, I don't think I am. I was like, look, you guys never read a book. And she said, because she takes me literally a lot. Um, of course he has. And I was like, well, I was key. I bet he started Jack Welch's book, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. somebody got it for him and he opened it and he skimmed it. And he looked for himself in the index, which of course is all he did. Now look, man, if there was a political book, uh, my dad would get it and he would look for himself in the index. It, it doesn't, it's not crazy. If there were a book about about uh, you know the liberal talk show world and you'd been talked to about it, you you'd check yourself out. It's that's not what this is about, but you'd read it if it were interesting, right? And it, uh, Trump just you know he might have started it boring, you know, yeah. and no, uh, boring. No, and I'm only on page you know Trump Donald seventy eight to seventy nine one eighty one two oh six. He's like oh Jesus, yeah. Uh, so. And then no, I thought, but, yeah, he, he, I mean, other than the Bible, I'm not sure he's read a book. <laughs> Trump reading the Bible. Yeah, I don't know. He holds it up. He says he did. Must be true. Which one? Old Testament or Old Testament 2.0? <laughs> what, what did he, what was his line about uh, uh, the Corinthians? Corinthians what? 2. Yeah. And that, what, how do they say it? Uh, like he said question. it wrong. Yeah, yeah he, but said he said it. Wrong. He said it wrong. I think it's yeah. Corinthians 2. Uh, yeah, I'm not a whatever, whatever it is. He, right. I, I got it. It's OK not to know it. You know, I mean, if he just said, hey, look, you know, I didn't read the Bible, but I'm reading it a lot now. Corinthians 2. How do you say that? 
you know, somebody shout out from the audience, right? It would be it's you know, but he can't. And he's but no he's not way interested. He'd ever admit that? Like, no, of course not. No, of course no not. way, right? No, 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 no way. Um, that would make him human. So uh, on the index, that's totally fine to look at the index. First of all, here I'll give you two quick index stories. Ryan Grimm's book, We've Got People, uh, came out, and it was about uh, the beginning of the progressive movement, starting with Jesse Jackson. Uh, but the second half of the book is all about current-day progressive movement, including 2018 elections. Uh, by the way, it's in our shop, shoptyt.com. You should read it. It's a great book. Uh, and first thing I did, of course, was try to find Young Turks and Cenk. Uh, so, of course, right? And and I remember one time, that you remember this funny story that I haven't told in a long time, where I was eating lunch, um, and uh, and a guy walks by and asks me if he's in the book that I'm reading, and it was uh, General David Petraeus. Um, and then he sat down, and we had like an hour and a half conversation about everything under the sun, and I never talk about things that are private, so I, I've never said what he said in the conversation publicly. But uh, it's okay to say that the first thing he asked for was to see the book so he could look at the index to see if he was in it. And it, it, But he's smart enough that that was at least half tongue-in-cheek. Can you tell us what the book was? Oh, sure. It was... Um, the Bible? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't check the index on that it one. doesn't even have an index. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it was the Bible 2.0, otherwise known as the Quran. Huh. Um, <laughs> no. Um, unlikely you'd find... Well, actually, Petraeus probably would be more likely to read the Quran these days than I would. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I'm sure he would. Yeah, sure. He would. Um, yeah, yeah, he'd want to know. I mean, he'd certainly tell me, well, what are, they what are the important parts here regarding fundamentalism where where what are they reading and taking out of context yeah now what's funny is i've forgotten the name of the book and even the author but it was a newsweek writer who wrote about foreign policy um and it was really thoughtful good book it's a shame i forgot what it was but uh it started our conversation and he sat down he started eating and it was just the most one of the most random things that has ever happened to me in my life um uh anyways uh so back to the percentage. Um, I still think better of humanity, apparently, than you do. If you had asked me before my so-called epiphanies, I would have said that people were listening to 88% of a conversation. Now I realize that's foolishly, yeah. naively. Yeah, I mean, at half. At, at most. Again, as with everything in our lives, it's a scale. Right. I mean, and, and are you, how much are you listening? Really good listeners. That's what's below 20. You know, I'll give you up to somewhere below 50 for kind of listening. Yeah. If you're saying on average, how much of a conversation does any average person listen to when talking to any other average person? And by average, it's not, we're not making a judgment on anyone. We're just saying overall. Um, I would say now, I now think it's 51%, 55% in that ballpark. They probably hear most of what you're saying. But they're zoned out for a giant chunk of it. Yeah, and they just they don't. It's just there's a lot of missing. The that's what friendship people in your lives who get you matters because they get what you're saying, why you're saying it, right? How you're saying how you're saying it. You know, to tell them whether it's a joke or whether they're, you know, or, or whether it's something else. Like that's you know whether you're really insulting someone, right? You know, or whether you're playing with them. So you know that's 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 critical to spend time with people who who uh, uh, who hear who listen and and therefore hear
Yeah. Uh, last part of this. Or oh, additionally here. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on this version of uh, old school's Hallmark uh, afternoon school special, uh, I've mixed up a couple of things there. But anyway, uh, it, it's that's why good friends aren't based on whether they're uh, good at talking to you, but good at listening to you. And uh, and uh, it's not just the flow of the conversation. It's not just that they're going back and forth. Even if they say nothing, but they're genuinely listening, people psychologically need that. That's part of why we go to therapists. Like, you just need someone to hear you out. Um, and and it's, it's amazing how little that happens. And so uh, it's, it's maybe a really long way of saying, for God's sake, will you listen to one another? <laughs> I remember when when did Petraeus have his uh, a public moment of shame that shouldn't have been? Uh, it's a good question. It was right before I met him. So that that lunch that we had uh, oh, predated it. And but when so when vaguely, I mean, was Bush Bush was I, I can't remember. Anything. Bush was president, right? Yeah, at that point, I think either Bush was still president. Or Obama had just taken over. So let's. I think it must have been Bush is still president because I just remember my father being incredibly concerned that the Republicans would get uh, would get Petraeus, like that he would not that they'd get him that he would run as a Republican, and then he thought we'll lose. Hillary hmm. Clinton will lose. As, you know, Hillary Clinton was thought to be the likely nominee. Oh, right. Back in 08. That's right. Well, it turns out she would have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, I'm not I, I am listening to you. I'm making sure that my family's uh, dinner is uh, uh, what's happening with it. <laughs> uh, that is what you look like when you froze. Um, anyways. Um, so, God, that's amazing that that it, it's been Ben. Can you believe it's been 12 years since Bush was in office, yeah, it's staggering. It's it's uh, wow. It's it's staggering. I mean, and and that we went back. I mean, if you if you're if you're a real Republican and you think it's okay that these were your last two presidents, man, I mean, that would that would I would, I would be humiliated, humiliated, right? Yeah, I mean, they, people thought Reagan was too dumb, yeah. <laughs> and then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until we have a person who might. Literally, I don't mean this in any offensive way, but might literally be mentally damaged in several different ways, psychologically, yeah, right. intellectually, let alone morally. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's what the Republican Party is devolved to, a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy. And and Reagan wasn't, I don't think Reagan was dumb. I think Reagan was an actor. Uh, so we yeah, have no, no idea how smart or, or dumb Reagan was because he was playing a role. Um, Bush was genuinely unintelligent, but but was smart enough to know that he was not smart. Yeah, Trump doesn't Reagan, even know he's not smart. He thinks yeah. he's a genius, a very stable genius. Reagan, no question, Reagan was smart. I mean, Reagan was smarter than Bush. I mean, Reagan, oh, yeah, Reagan yeah. was a Reagan uh, comes after you know uh, uh, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Carter, and Ford thrown in there, like, and Ford got knocked for it, but. 
but the elected ones and and Ford too. It's just wrong about Ford. They were a different breed. I mean, they were in many ways they were career politicians, but we didn't think of career politicians as 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 morons, right? And uh, uh, and most many of them aren't. So and Reagan was different, even though he'd been governor of California, but that was uh, you know super manufactured, and the fact that he'd been a, an actor and then a pitch man, even more a corporate commercial pitch man, uh, even more so. Um, but that said, you know, the big knock on Reagan told, you know, when he was making his last movie, The Killers, in 1964, before he left the business to focus on getting elected for governor and running pretty racist campaign in California, um, was that he, he didn't want to make The Killers, but he owed one more a picture on his contract. And everybody there said, oh, my God, the whole time Reagan was not paying attention to the movie. I mean, he did fine. He delivered his lines. But he was cramming the whole time, just reading policy papers, reading, 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 reading to get himself ready to run for governor. And he was president of the Screen Actors Guild. You know, he, he you know, he knew enough to, to, to make sure he was, you know, working with the FBI <laughs> during the communist witch hunts. You know, he, he's no he no dummy. Yeah, I mean, and, and that leads uh, here as we're wrapping up this episode to the last point, which is, as you were talking about Trump not reading, I realized, oh, my God, he's right. It's There's an excellent chance that Trump has never read one book cover to cover in his entire life. Yeah, his entire an life. An excellent chance. Yeah. Um, wow. Are we ready for the next show? Uh, yeah, before we go there, guys, uh, tyt.com slash join uh, to become a member so you can get the full show. And uh, we'll see what we talk about. One of the things I want to talk about is um, how happiness is a choice. But Ben might strangle me before I can finish the thought. Anyway, um, see you there. So we're back. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm never going to get used to the awkwardness of this three-part old school. Uh, anyways, um, so Ben... Uh, Quick thing, which might uh, consume the the rest of the time, but do you remember how Reagan was racist while running for governor of California? Because I don't know that, so I was curious when you said. Yeah, so so the like there's a there's a Life magazine story, um, and uh, first of all, you know some of the guys who ran the campaign later ran pretty objectionable campaigns, right? So uh, um, they tapped into this sentiment that then Nixon tapped into, right? The silent majority. That the way to win the nomination to to wrestle it from Republicans who were too liberal, as we know, first of all, Reagan took the party right, right. You know, Bob Dole was the presumptive or thought to be the best bet to be the nominee uh, uh, in 1980 um, after running with uh, Gerald Ford in 1976. Uh, George H. W. Bush was running. These were not in any way arch conservatives. So Reagan was the <clears throat> significant right winger. There's some others. Howard Baker ran for president. That guy'd be a, you know, that guy'd be a pretty liberal Democrat, be more liberal than Dick Durbin. Right. Um, and so there's this Life magazine profile of him running for governor, and he's got two pictures behind him at his desk. And I hope I get exactly right who they are. But one was Orville, Orville Faubus, the uh, governor of Arkansas when there was the attempt, uh, the successful attempt to integrate Central High School in Little Rock in 1957, who had fought it. He's got a picture of him behind him. And the other one, I believe, was whoever was the governor of Mississippi, um, who had been, you know, you can guess what the governor of Mississippi was like um, in 1966. I believe those were the two. I don't think it was George Wallace, uh, but it's possible that it was. You know, he'd, he'd uh, 
you know, already had his, you know, segregation now um, uh, stance. Um, so it was, uh, uh, and, and then as he, there was one other thing there too, but those pictures were framed behind him. Like, you know, Reagan wasn't like some great Orville Faubus fan, you know, I mean, that's just, they were placed there. And then as he came out, there was a shot of him, you know, Reagan leaves the house and gets ready to work. It was all, I mean, it was just totally sold. He liked to go out. It's a big ranch. He works it, you know, he's riding the horses every day. He goes out and picks whatever you do at a ranch, you know, and, uh, and he's walking out of the house to head out onto the land. And there he walks through and there's two, uh, you know, uh, lawn jockeys as they, as you walk out. So they sort of, you know, caricatured, uh, uh, black, um, yeah, lawn ornaments. Right. And uh, all those were messages, right. Early on subtle messages to people like, Hey, he's, this guy's one of us. Yeah. You know, uh, it almost made me uh, reminisce about the time when racism was done subtly uh, with <laughs> messages in the background, right? <laughs> yeah. Trump would be like, who's Orville Redenbacher? Okay, no, I don't need that. I'll just tell them. I don't like black people. They're coming to the suburbs. Your housewives, they're coming to the suburbs. You know what they're going to do to you. I'll just say that, okay? We don't need Redenbacher. Uh <laughs> And that's and that's what happened. It went from putting two racist governors in the background uh, to g wink and nod at, at the the right audience who would understand that to bullhorn. Uh, yeah, we're proudly racist and proudly dumb. Um, I mean, of all the things he's done, there's no end to it. And I don't know which one is the worst. And I'm not going to pretend to to know. But at the rally the other day when he was saying huh, Biden will listen to the scientists, I'm like, that's it. I mean, yeah, here right, we are right. at the end of the evolution of the Republican Party when they're just proudly flying the stupid flag. Yeah, we we're the party who thinks scientists are dumb and we're smart. So mm, okay, uh, if you say so. Here's a piece in The Atlantic to. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's the number of revelations each one seems more staggering than the other, right? I mean, the great thing is the story you mentioned, I read that today and I didn't even go crazy, right? I mean, I was like, you know, cause I, I you know, this is, I don't know, whatever, I, now in a different day, I could go crazy about that. And then still have the same conversation I'm about this, uh, this wave, like why, there must be someone who's compiled the list of the 387 really egregious things to say nothing of the other thousand pretty egregious things. So, yeah, I mean, it's nuts that he would uh, uh, that he would in a million years uh, say that. But, you know, it's, uh, all of this would be. And what again, for the billionth time, what does it say about us? Um, yep. It has to only say that we are, you know, we the, the to, to uh, uh, invert uh, Dennis Green, you know, we are not the bears. <laughs> you know, we're we are, not who we thought we were. We are not who we thought we were. Yeah. Um, uh, so sure. anyway, here's a, here's a 2019 Atlantic piece. Uh, um, I, this is from October, 1971 Reagan, still the governor of California, Richard Nixon, of course, the president, it opens the day after the United Nations voted to recognize the people's Republic of China. Then California governor Ronald Reagan phoned president Nixon at the white house and vented his frustration at the delegates, um, at the United Nations who had sided against the United States who obviously wanted to recognize the uh, China. Last night, said Reagan, I tell you, 
to watch that thing on television as I did. And then Nixon goes, yeah, interjecting. And then Reagan forges ahead with his complaint, it reads, to see those, those monkeys from those African countries, damn them, they're still uncomfortable wearing shoes. And Nixon gives a huge laugh. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's this mythology of Reagan as like this swell kindly. American father. Yeah. So, no, nah, no, nah, he, he called black people monkeys. And, yeah. uh, and that's, yeah, that's in context. And uh, and it, if the one that always gets me is he uh, launched this campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, yeah, with an ode right. to yeah. states' rights. Uh, and Philadelphia, Mississippi is a tiny little town. The only thing that it's known for is killing civil rights uh, workers. Um, and he didn't go to, to celebrate the work and the accomplishment of the civil rights workers. He talked about states' rights, uh, which they were fighting against. Uh, when they were murdered. Uh, that, so that's who Ronald Reagan was. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, James uh, Cheney, uh, Andrew Goodman, Mickey Schwerner, by the way, the, uh, killed while uh, uh, trying to get, uh, uh, trying to get, sorry, the, uh, I can't, I'm being given uh, messages that I can't, uh, <laughs> um, I got some. Are they coded messages? Do they, yeah. are they putting pictures in the background for you? <laughs> so I got her this food I ordered from this place that I said was really good. And my wife writes, uh, it, they were they delivered to the wrong address. So that's why I had to go tell them to go get it, which is why old school took a little brief break here. So she comes in. She's like, which is mine? Because I ordered two things for myself, one that I'd have later. And I like to, what if I don't like the one thing, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and if I like both, well, I'll just eat one for lunch, right? I mean, it's just a, it's a win-win. Um, so I write down the, the meatballs with the wheat pasta, right? that I, I got her and she just writes this message, which is what distracted me. Gross. Apparently, whatever <laughs> I got her. That's the <laughs> most I got her. wife thing anyone has ever written. And, yeah, I, and, then, and I, I say that with love in my heart. <laughs> because we, of course she usually she doesn't, she doesn't leave time for me to say, eat any one of them, right? I don't care, eat one of the two. I, got, I don't, eat something that makes you happy. Don't, you don't have to eat that. Right, she's gone. Pissed at me for ordering. I shouldn't have gotten the wheat pasta. That was a that was a mistake. Um, yeah, wheat pasta. I'm, I'm more on Lee, uh, Lee's side, but um, you know, I thought she'd want it. I thought that would make her more likely to eat. Yeah, appears to you know. Less of me. The other thing that's happening lately is I'm letting injustices slide, really small ones, uh, which before I wouldn't let them slide, and and then it takes over your life and it's stupid. So. Uh, uh, Popeyes has moved out of every neighborhood that I'm close to, which I was super mad about before. Then I realized mm, I just use Postmates, and it doesn't matter that it's not close to me. Uh, as long as they deliver, they deliver, right? Right, that's right. Yeah. And so I started, uh, even though, and this also drives me crazy, it's way too expensive when all you want is a classic fried chicken sandwich from Popeyes. Then Postmates isn't a little bit on top. It like doubles the price. Because no, you, you buy, you buy, you're actually better off getting two because then it's your then they're charged. Like when you go, it's exactly like going to the when ATMs charged you a ridiculous amount, and you go to an ATM that had a four dollar service charge. You take out twenty dollars or forty dollars. No, I man, you got to take out two hundred dollars because the service yeah, charge yeah. is just, the same. Just right. to make yeah. yourself feel better about the percentages. That's, that's absolutely right. 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 Yeah. right. 
And so the first time I ordered from Popeyes, I way overordered just to get the percentage down. Then I realized I paid more money for food I'm definitely not going to immediately eat. And I'm not right. positive how good Popeyes is in the fridge. Right. Uh, you know, after it's sat in the fridge. But anyways, um, but the other day they gave me a spicy one, and I don't like spicy. Um, I, I don't dislike it so much that I wouldn't eat it. So I ate it, and I was going to complain. I was going to write in a Postmates or Popeyes or something. I was going to figure it out and get try to get the money back on principle. Right. And then I was like, nah, no, I won't. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I had the same thing. I think it's just age. Like, I, I'm trying to find sweatshirts that I like and that are soft enough for me to wear. But if I'm out, they don't totally look like I don't care. Right? Like, mm-hmm. And so... And I, I, and and I love the amount of thought you're putting into figuring out how much other people will think you care or don't care in what right. you're well, wearing. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I definitely do. This might not be an example of that because I want to be comfortable, but I, I do care about, I like dressing well enough. You know, I like dressing, you know, both I like dressing up and I like going out and I care about what I wear when I leave the house. So uh, I used to be embarrassed by that. I don't, you know, um, I don't want to make an impression like, ooh, look at Ben styling, right? I just want people to think, oh, that guy dresses nice. Anna says that to me back when we used to see other people. Uh, and I, I, it was a great compliment. I'm very so. Anyway, uh, yeah. I buy these sweatshirts, and we ordered one from uh, I ordered one from Target. And it's not perfect, right? It's not quite the color they said. I'm like, oh, I got to return this. And I was like, it's twelve dollars. Why would I go to the trouble of returning this? And I'm not. I and you and I are the same. Like, I don't think twelve dollars is nothing, right? Yeah, it's twelve dollars. I'd rather have. No, it burns $12. me up a little bit. Burns right? me up a little bit. But I thought, look. I'll wear the sweatshirt eight times, right? But yeah, nobody has to get the mail and put it and drive it to Target. And mostly it won't hang over you as a thing you got to take care of. That's really, I think, the, the key. That's what's worth more. Uh, that's what's definitely worth $12. Yeah, so we'll end on this note. We didn't get to happiness, as I suspected. Uh, we've got plenty of other old Thank schools. God. I yeah. know, right? And Ben didn't really want to talk about that topic anyway. Uh, but it, it, I'll connect it to happiness because... Um, I, I've been telling you guys for a long time on old school about how I'm throwing away socks and, and old clothes, uh, and, and you're beginning to wonder why I'm obsessed about it. Uh, but it's because it's, it's almost like a symbolic of, of, uh, like spring cleaning I'm doing inside my mind, uh, mm-hmm. and, and letting go of old things, um, and old habits and bad habits and, old beliefs that are not based on anything that's real or important, but based on how people used to do things or how I used to do things. So just a couple of days ago, I was wearing a sock that had a hole in it. And the new and improved Jenk throws that sock out after he wears it. Um, The old Jenk would have kept that sock for like five, six, 12 more wears, right? Ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, right? Because when I was a kid, my mom wouldn't even throw those away. She would stitch them up, and I'd keep on wearing them. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Im- immigrants. I know, right? Totally. Thoughtful so, savings and valuing what they have. I'm tired of it. I know. Yeah, it's such an immigrant thing to sew up uh, socks and, and keep wearing them. Anyways, um, and this time, I didn't even wait uh, to take them off and get good use of them this time. I was like, 
it's really bothering me that there's a hole in my sock. I'm going to throw it away right now and put on new socks. Good. God bless you. I, 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 we both, we both got there. I got there a little earlier, but today, just uh, rather my last point, uh, I counted uh, how many good pairs of underwear do I have, right? I had more. The dog ate a couple. Uh, sometimes I got to dip into the the group of seven underwear that I keep separate. That They're not great, right? Mm-hmm. And I counted the good ones, and it's 11. And I was like, I got to have more than 14. And I ordered six more good ones. Like, yeah. Just, no, that's it. Same. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the underwear, talking about the underwear is more uncomfortable, so I'm leaving it out. But there's a lot of that going on in my head where I'm like trying on boxers where I'm like, you know what? I always thought this didn't quite fit. That's why I had it at the bottom of my drawer. Uh, but now I figure out why they don't fit. I'm like, oh, when I move my thigh, it scrunches. That's it. And that's it. After that, got it. boom, I throw it away. And after that, I feel like I'm champion of the world. Did your mom stitch underwear? Yes or no? I don't remember, but the answer is almost certainly yes, because she stitched everything. Yeah, all right. That's gross. Um, (laughs) All right, thank you very much. All right, we'll end on that's gross. All right, guys, see you next time.